All right, what is up? We are back once again. It has been a long break from the Fantasy Kingdom show, but I am back. Work's been absolutely insane. The hurricane came, so I had to prep for that and then clean up after that. Thankfully, everyone's safe. House is fine. Just a lot of tree debris to pick up and things like that, but uh, thankfully, everything is, is good to go on that end, but I'm back once again for another episode of the Fantasy Kingdom show to go ahead and jump right back in where I picked up. We're coming in with the week five primer, taking a look at guys that we should be starting, guys we should be watching uh, for their usage and just waiting for someone to pop. But let's just not even dilly-dally right now. Let's jump right into it. And unfortunately, I have to start by talking about the joke that was the Thursday night football game last night. Oh my God. If anyone like me watched the entirety of it, you were just like, it was just comical by the end of it, how bad both teams were playing, how bad both offenses were playing. And the fact that not a single touchdown was scored in a game that went to overtime. I've, I've never witnessed such incompetence of, from two quarterbacks that were once known as elite. And one of which is a quarter of a billion dollar quarterback who just got paid an outrageous amount of money to throw two bad interceptions that not only looked bad, but cost his team the game. Uh, I, I don't understand what's going on in Denver. Uh, I do find it very ironic at the fact that uh, there's these offensive coordinators that are thought to be really good because they worked with one of the best quarterbacks in the league, quarterbacks that don't need an offensive coordinator to scheme for them, quarterbacks that are running their team. Uh, let's see, who else did that? Uh, Adam Gase uh, was OC slash QB coach for Peyton Manning. We all see how uh, Adam Gase looked when he wasn't running an offense run by Peyton Manning. Uh, terrible, 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 terrible offenses in Miami and the Jet, uh, in New York. And then there was also... Uh, the wonderful experiment in Chicago of Matt Nagy that worked so, so well because, you know, who was his quarterback before he got the head coaching job? That's right. It was Patrick Mahomes, who, you know, was was a younger guy, so maybe he did need a little bit more of, like, a scheme, but still the guy, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league by himself already in, in such a young age. So it's just, it's ridiculous that these offensive coordinators that, I really question what they're doing as Nathaniel Hackett comes from Green Bay and we all know Rodgers changes the play 90% of the time at the line anyway and he want like Rodgers will run what Rodgers wants it doesn't matter what any coach says to him so I, I just find it ironic that these head offensive coordinators keep getting opportunities to be head coaches and it's just a failure after failure after failure I mean, there's got there's some good ones out there, I guarantee it, but we just haven't we haven't seen the right ones get the jobs yet, and it's just it's been brutal brutal to watch uh, what's happening in Denver right now. But let's go through and take a look at it from a fantasy perspective. Uh, with Russell Wilson, I am panicking a little bit. Um, if it's one QB league, I've I've dropped him. I'm streaming the position. I'm just moving on. I'm not even trying to deal with like you know waiting for it. If it clicks later on, it clicks later on, and you're able to grab him. Great. Other than that, I'm panicking. Uh, if it's super flex, I'm I'm holding, but I'm hoping that my third QB option is 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 usable. Um, in terms of the the running backs, uh, Melvin Gordon got the majority of the carries, majority of the work, but 
Uh, he wasn't really great with it. There, there. I mean, no, no part of the offense was great at all on either side of the ball. So it's it's tough to really like judge off of this game. But it it was good, not great. And I will be interested to see. Mike Boone was involved a decent amount, and I'm interested to see what these the three way split is once Latavius Murray is active and gets some practice time and reps in. Uh, for the wide receivers, uh, not even going to talk about tight end for either team because. Why? Uh, but for the wide receivers, Sutton looked good. Uh, he's still getting the 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 first read looks, as we saw with the final interception from Russ. He's he's locking on to Sutton. Sutton is the DK Metcalf of this uh, Broncos offense uh, in terms of Russell Wilson. But right now, his ceiling is capped until this team gets together. He's a good floor play. He's going to he's averaging a, a decent amount of targets a decent amount of catches and a decent amount of yards so he's not killing you in fantasy but he's not what you expected uh from from where you drafted him so it's a little bit disappointing but i'm still holding out hope i'm still starting him every week uh judy i'm not a fan of judy personally and it just seems like he keeps getting bailed out on these one-off plays on like one big play a game is is giving him a fantasy viable performance but the actual like performance itself isn't good like it's just one play like the first week he had the big 80 80 yard crazy touchdown where one corner just jumped on his head and fell on the ground and the other one for whatever reason took like had the perfect angle stopped tried to cut like play the cutback and let Judy just walk in for an 80 yard touchdown this week it was literally him being completely uncovered and just getting a free wide open set of field to get a 35 plus yard uh, reception at the end of the game to put him over 50 50 yards uh i'm it's not something that i'm looking to count on uh from my wide receiver and and there's definitely better options out there and better options that i'm starting instead of uh, jerry judy on a weekly basis but again like i said he seems to get bailed out at least once a week so if you got him and you want to play him it's been working so far but i i see that that ending soon unless the offense really does click uh, flipping over to the Indianapolis side, Matt Ryan looks bad, bad, bad. It's not that he just not just that he looks bad, he has no time. He's literally like he's he's dropping back and being like in a panicky rush immediately and he's just not making good decisions with the ball. Uh, threw two ugly interceptions yesterday. Uh, it, it, it's really bringing down the ceiling again of this offense as well, which already was kind of like expectations were tempered because this is a run first offense with Jonathan Taylor but in a game without Jonathan Taylor you would expect more and better but it just wasn't there uh Broncos do have a good defense so I'll give them that but at the same time it's just it's not it's not great in Indy right now um one of the lone bright spots though was Deion Jackson uh the rookie running back who I think is a decent stash still Uh, Jonathan Taylor obviously is got an, an injury that could linger that could be an issue uh if he comes back and re-aggravates it so I, I didn't hate what I saw out of Deion Jackson he looked like he had some juice he was hitting holes hard he was catching passes uh he had 13 carries and four targets and on those four targets he he caught them all four of them so uh he he's a decent stash for deeper leagues where there's just nothing on the waiver wire and if you need a running back fill in and Jonathan Taylor does sustain a a, a more serious injury later in the season he, he could be a guy that is usable in that RB2 slot um 
for the wide receivers, another disappointing game for Michael Pittman. He was, he, I mean, he wasn't even number one in targets this game. He was behind Alec Pierce, which is not a good sign because the, the whole case for Pittman was just a crazy high target share. But uh, it, it was a tough matchup against uh, Sertan, who is one of the top corners in the league right now. But still, if we're going to see what we want to see out of Pittman, he's going to have to be back over that 25% uh, target share for, for anyone in fantasy to feel good about the production, especially with where he was drafted. Uh, on the flip side, Alec Pierce, who has been a free agent pickup and is probably going to be one of the, the higher-end pickups uh, going into next week, he did look good. He was one of... Uh, he, he seems to have set himself up as that number two behind... Michael Pittman now, uh, Paris Campbell, those dreams are dead, um, and uh, Ashton Doolin, he had that, that one blow up in week two without Pittman, but it seems like with Pittman back, uh, Pierce is, is that number two role and one of Ryan uh, Matt Ryan's go-to guys because he was looking his way in, in some of the tough third down situations uh, at the end of the game, so I don't think it's a fluke. I think Pierce is going to continue to see targets. And we'll see we're, we'll see where that goes, but it's not a really exciting until this offense can can put together any type of good performances back to back. That is literally all that I have to say about the Thursday night football game from a fantasy perspective because it was just gross. I, I would like to move on to week six for those two teams and just hope that it gets better moving forward. Um, so with that, I'm like I said, I'm just trying to go through and uh, and, and go through this and. Let's get some matchups going. Let's see what we like, what we don't like. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and go through this with the highest matchup totals first. And uh, number one on the list, the Monday night football game. It's set to be an absolute banger. Uh, Kansas City versus Las Vegas. Over under 51 points here. So, I mean, both both sides are going to be just slinging the ball all over the place. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that this is what it like lives up to the hype that Vegas has it at because this this could be a, a good fun game to watch along with good for fantasy. Um, on the Kansas City side, they have uh, an implied total of 29 points, which is always exciting to see. Anything over 25 just feels good. And uh, Vegas is bottom 12 across the board against running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and fantasy points given up. Uh, so you can go ahead and feel comfortable starting just about any Kansas City player that's worth starting. So uh, I would say, obviously, Kelsey. Uh, but the wide receivers, I'm looking at Juju and I'm looking at MVS. I think they're both flex-worthy. I think Juju's obviously the safer play, but I feel like MVS just keeps flirting with that that high target share, and he's not just that deep guy anymore. He is running more uh, intermediate and, and post-type routes. Um, the two of them have combined for 30, uh, 38% target share in week four. So it does seem to be consolidating a bit in terms of targets between Kelsey, MVS, and Juju. Um, between them, uh, it's been about 60% of the targets have gone to those three on the season. So it really is just those three that I'm interested in in the, in the receiving core. Um, I'm still starting. I mean, I don't have him, but if you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you're starting him. He has not given you a reason to bench him yet. Uh, it is being done through an unsustainable amount of touchdowns, which is driving me absolutely crazy um, to, to see. But uh, just keep an eye out. Pacheco is over his shoulder and is just kind of breathing down his neck a little bit in terms of the opportunity share. I mean, uh, Edwards-Alaire is still getting the bulk of the snaps with 56%. 
uh, compared to Pacheco's 21%, but the opportunity share for Pacheco is creeping up there. He's getting he's up to 31% of the opportunity share in week four, uh, and it just seems like they, they keep bringing him in and they keep wanting to see what he has to offer. So I, I feel like while CEH is producing, the leash is still not that long because Kansas City has not forgotten the past two years. So just something to look out for. Pacheco is one of those guys that I, I've been trying to stash everywhere that I can, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping to see some type of improvement on the opportunity share coming up. Uh, flipping over to the Las Vegas side, uh, just because Kansas City is always in a shootout, they're giving up a lot of fantasy points to both the running backs and the wide receivers. Uh, this is, once again, another shootout, so you're expecting a big point total from Adams and Jacobs, who are both just no-brainers, start them, uh, start set them and forget them type guys. Uh, Hunter Renfro is maybe expected to be back. If he is, I feel comfortable st- starting him, just because, again, this is, this is going to be a, a, a high-scoring game, but if he does sit, I think Matt Collins is an absolute start. Uh, in your flex position, uh, while Renfro's been out, he's run he's ran a route on 98% of the Las Vegas pass plays, and he has a 19% target share. So I think with Renfro out, Hollins is an absolute start. If Renfro plays, I now that I think about it, I am a little bit hesitant just because Hollins has performed so well. Will they just immediately go right back to Renfro and ignore Hollins? I don't know. I don't think so, but. We'll see. I want to see how it shakes out if the if Renfro does play, what those two look like. And, I mean, Waller, another tight end so gross that you have to start Waller no matter what, even if you don't feel great about it, but you should feel good about it in this matchup. Um, moving right along to the next highest scoring total is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, starting on the Philadelphia side, uh, the Arizona defense has been a lot more friendly to the running backs and the tight ends. Uh, in terms of fantasy points given up, they have been pretty decent on the outside uh, against wide receivers, so I'm not really looking for that big blow-up game from Devonta Smith anymore. I'm turning more towards Dallas Goddard this week. Um, and he's got the favorable, favorable matchup, uh, and while whenever Goddard has seen over 85% route participation, he's been number two in on the team in terms of target share with a 19% share. Obviously, A.J. Brown is the number one, um, but I expect Goddard to be that number two this week while DeFonta Smith has a tough matchup. Um, Another point is Arizona has not been a strong first-half team. They've scored over, I think, like 75% of their points in the fourth quarter alone, Uh, so they've been very, very slow to start start games this season, which I think is going to happen once again. And I think that the Eagles are going to just take advantage of that. And it's going to be a a good opportunity for Miles Sanders to just absolutely run crazy. Um, He's had a 69% running back opportunity share on the season, and he's had 73% of the carries out of that backfield. So it's, it's it's his job to lose right now. And he is not, he's looking healthy. He's looking like he's running strong. Miles Sanders, the year that everyone gave up on him is the year that he's going to go ahead and smash. So set him in your lineup. He's going to go ahead and smash once again. Um, Flipping over to the Arizona side, it is a tough matchup. Uh, The Philadelphia defense has been incredibly strong across the board, but they are battling a lot of injuries. So it might be a little bit easier as Slay isn't 100%, but I mean, 
even if it's not Slay on Hollywood Brown, it's James Bradbury. So it, it's it's a tough matchup either way. Uh, the volume has just been absolutely absurd for Hollywood, so you you have to start him regardless. Um, and I think that the volume will still be able to sustain his fantasy production. It just might not be as big of a week as you would hope. Um, Connor is having a tough week this week. Um, in weeks two and three, where we're not looking at the week one matchup with the Lions where DeAndre Swift just ran up and down on Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia is only allowing 12 fantasy points per game to opposing running backs, and in that time, they've only allowed one rushing touchdown. They have four on the season. Three of those were uh, from Detroit, and since then, it's only been one one rushing touchdown. So unless it's a goal line punch-in, I'm not expecting a whole lot from Connor this week. Uh, I do want to keep an eye on, and I do think that Rondale Moore is a decent stream at the wide receiver position this week. He had his first game back in week four, and he ran 94% of the routes, uh, and he is quite possibly, he's been what they've been looking for uh, to be the number two behind um, Hollywood Brown until Hopkins comes back. Greg Dorch had filled in. But as soon as Moore was back, they were trying to get more of the ball in his hands. So they, I, I do believe that Moore is going to be that number two. And if um, Slay and Bradbury are shadowing Hollywood, I think that opens up a lot of opportunity for Rondale Moore. And like I said, Arizona has been trying to get the ball into his hands as much as possible. So if Hollywood gets erased, Moore could be the one that has the game. Uh, it could also be an Ertz game. We'll just kind of see how it plays out. Uh, and we'll probably have to sweat it out into the fourth quarter once again with Arizona here. Um, but moving right on along, we're going to Baltimore versus Cincinnati with an over-under of 48.5. This one is a tough call for me because divisional games uh, historically are lower scoring. They usually hit the unders, and this is, like, this is one of those, like the NFC or AFC North is just one of those those divisions where they're just always nasty, gritty games. But I will say the defenses for these two teams haven't been looking that great. Uh, Baltimore has looked really rough on the defensive side and has been in shootout after shootout and just losing the lead at the last second. So I, I'm intrigued to see it. I don't want to call an over and under either way, but uh, I'm hoping for a high-scoring game for, for the fantasy points. Uh, on the Baltimore side, we don't have Rashad Bateman this week, which does hurt uh, Lamar because Bateman is just, he's one of those guys that can take any any slant to the house. He can run any route. He can he can be the guy uh, for him. But with Bateman out, that just means Mark Andrews is going to be the tight end one on the week. i calling it now. I'd, it wouldn't surprise me in any way, shape, or form. Um, I am also looking at J.K. Dobbins to go ahead and have a good week. I think he's, I mean, he only played 50% of the snaps in week uh, three. And they're like, they're trying to ease him into it after the the, the devastating ACL injury. It was a, a rougher than typical uh, ACL injury. So they're trying to get him back in slowly. Um, but he still had 63% of the running back opportunities. So I think the snap share was a little bit lower. I think that continues to rise. And he is the clear cut RB1 in this offense that like, loves to run the ball. So. When it's not Lamar, it's going to be J.K. Um, without Bateman also, Andrews is obviously the smash, but I think uh, Devin Duvernay has shown enough to be a, uh, a, a, 
I mean, in deeper leagues, a solid flex play. The volume isn't guaranteed. Um, but if he does happen to get a decent amount of targets uh, enough, he has the explosiveness for boom games. He is another player that can run, get five targets, catch two of them, and have two touchdowns. So it's just... He's one of those guys where he's either going to explode or he's not going to do anything. But with Bateman out, I'm willing to take the shot. Uh, on the Cincinnati side, there's uh, some injuries that we're kind of concerned about with Higgins and Hurst. Both are kind of trending towards like they're playing, but it's just something to monitor. Uh, I, I think if Higgins misses, obviously Tyler Boyd, you're you're starting him. He's in a smash spot. Uh, Baltimore has been really rough on defense. Uh Lately, they had that one game with with Miami where it was just nonstop scoring uh, on both ends. They played a little bit better against Stefan Diggs, but uh, it's still something where uh, I, I'm banking on on that defense being weaker and and, and points just coming from Baltimore here. So, or uh, points coming from Cincy here. Uh, if if Higgins does play, I don't think there's anything interesting other than the usual suspects here. Uh, you got Chase, you got Mixon, you got Higgins. Like I said, Higgins is out, Boyd start, Higgins is in. I don't feel great starting Boyd. Um, if you are streaming tight ends, I think Hurst is an interesting possibility. Uh, he's been running a decent amount of routes, uh, but you're really just hoping for, for a touchdown at that point. Um, the next game on the list is going to be Atlanta versus Tampa. Uh, the over-under there is 46, a bolt. The bulk of that is coming from Tampa Bay, who has an implied total of 28 points. Once again, one of those lovely implied totals you you, you want to see. Uh, I am slightly worried about this hand injury that isn't a concern of Tom Brady. Uh, dude's going through it with the divorce, with the injuries, not only to himself, but to his entire receiving core. Uh, it's kind of plaguing him once again. Uh, Gage Godwin... Uh, what's his name, Cameron Brait, uh, is out. Uh, but Godwin and Gage have been limited throughout practice. So uh, I'm still, it's, it's, it's a nice matchup. So I'm still firing up. I'm firing up Evans, Lenny. I'm throwing Godwin in there this week. Um, but outside of that, I'm not really, not really interested in starting anyone. I am very interested, however, in just watching Rashad White after his exciting week three. Uh, I, I want to see those snaps and those opportunities. I want to see those start to climb, maybe, uh, especially in a game where they might be up big. So uh, after a non-existent week three, uh, Rashad White comes out of nowhere, literally, and has a 38% snap share and 44% opportunity share, including running in the hurry-up offense and finishing off that entire drive with a, uh, a goal-line touchdown. It's something where we know that if anything happens to Lenny, Rashad White is one of those league-winning handcuffs. But if he can also start to carve out his own role in this offense, it might not come to fruition this season, but uh, it, it's, it is something to keep an eye on. And in future seasons, he's going to be one of those premier handcuffs uh, and might even just be the dude if Lenny ends up walking. Um, no Cameron Braid, as I said earlier, because of the concussion. Um... I, I, next man up is going to be Kate Otten. It, we've said it before. I've said it every time that I've come on this show that tight end is an absolute wasteland. So there's worse tight ends to take a shot at. 
Um, you're looking, you're looking for a tight, uh, for a touchdown here. And I mean, 28 po implied point total. That's the touchdown's got to go somewhere. So, uh, he did see a 67% snap share in week four and a 55% uh, route participation. So he is being used. He is on the field uh, a decent amount. And I mean, this, this poor receiving core has seen so many injuries that if anything does happen to Godwin or Gage or Evans in game, Otten is definitely a, a, a solid option uh, for Tom Brady. Flipping over to the Atlanta side, uh, they only have an 18-point uh, implied team total, so I'm not really excited about anything here. Uh, there is no Kyle Pitts this week. He's already been ruled out with the hamstring injury, so there was an ankle, some type of leg injury that I just... I see the out designation and the one team I have pits on, I'm happy that I don't have to worry about watching him fail once again. Not him, but the team fail him. Uh, <laughs> but with no pits this week, that means Drake London is an absolute must start. I don't care if the matchup is bad. The volume has to be there. The, the Falcons, I suspect they're going to try to run the piss out of the ball. Uh, as Arthur Smith so gently put it last week, uh, early in the game to try and slow it down and make sure that Tampa doesn't have Tom, don't give the ball to Tom Brady. But uh, I just don't think it's going to work because this defense is tough. Um, so that means they're going to be passing. They're going to have to pass if they want to be in the game. And it's Drake London and no one else right now. So uh, he's a pure volume play. I don't expect it to be pretty, but I you, you have to. The talent's there. The volume's there. You got to do it. Um, with Arthur Smith wanting to run the piss out of the ball, uh, Tyler Algier will be the main beneficiary of that. Uh, it's going to be tough going against this defensive uh, front line, but he was also the only running back to run a route in week four. He had a 40% route participation, which, I mean, when your team throws 19 times isn't really saying much, but still the only running back to run a route. Uh, so I'll be taking a look at the, at the usage, uh, if you are in need of a running back too due to injuries, I mean, again, it's not going to be pretty, but the usage will be there. The carries will be there and potential dump offs will be there. So there, there's worse options out there. So if you need throw the, throw the Hail Mary with, uh, with Algier, but, uh, I'm, I'm not really looking to start anyone from Atlanta outside of London. And again, that, that desperation Algier start, uh, moving on to a game that I, think is a uh, going to be another another shootout. I, it's, it's a little bit underrated, I feel. Um, uh, sorry about that. Saw a text. Um, the, let me regain the composure here. The LA Chargers versus the Cleveland. Uh, the, the Cleveland Browns is a game that I think is going to be a shootout. The over-under is set at 47, and if... Uh, sports gambling was legal in Florida, I would be hitting the over on that uh, because I definitely think that both defenses are weaker than expected and I think that both passing offenses uh, are known to be strong even with the injuries that LA has right now. So I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking the over here. Um, on the Chargers side, the, the Browns have been middle of the pack in terms of defense, uh, fantasy points given up uh, on defense, but uh, I think that it's another week of Herbert healing and uh, getting getting those ribs back in check and just being becoming more uh, getting back to his old self. Uh, no Keenan Allen once again, which really, really, really hurts uh, 
this offense as a whole, but uh, it's it's another opportunity to start Josh Palmer, even though Palmer himself is dealing with an injury. Uh, he's still the only wide receiver that I trust behind Mike Williams here. Uh, Everett's also dealing with a little bit of an injury issue, um, but he is it, he is still startable uh, just because of the gross tight end landscape. I, I, I sound like a fucking broken record player with that, but I mean, it's just, it's that fucking gross. <laughs> um, I expect big games from, from Big Mike and from Austin Eckler yet again. They are going to be the main beneficiaries of these uh, targets that are going to be up for grabs. Uh, the... Again, like I said, it's, it's going to be the over because Cleveland has hit the over in three out of their last four games. So they're not only allowing points, but they're keeping up on their own. So uh, expect a lot from uh, Evan or from uh, Williams and Eckler. And then on the Cleveland side, um, the offense has been able to keep up in these uh, shootout type games, even against like lesser offenses that you just wouldn't really expect it from. Uh, Atlanta, Cleveland, or Carolina uh, are two that come to mind where, and the the Jets, three three teams where you just really wouldn't expect uh, Cleveland to be giving up a lot of points, yet they did somehow. Uh, so I think the Chargers is no different, and Cleveland, like I said, they've been able to keep up with it. Um, they've been able to keep up with it, and they're their their record isn't isn't suffering for it uh, too bad. They're two and two so far with Brissett, which I mean can't really ask for for too much more. Uh, the Jets game was kind of a a, a laughable loss, but still, um, the Chargers defense has been weak against running back, which I mean that just plays right into Cleveland's strength of having the best pure runner in Nick Chubb, and then probably the best secondary running back of Kareem Hunt. Uh, so I do expect big games from both of them. I, I'm really hoping that it, Chubb gets the touchdowns this week because he's going to have the yardage. He's going to run all day on them. But Hunt has had that annoying habit of just vulturing those touchdowns in the red zone uh, from Chubb. So we'll see how that plays out. But I think both are good starts this week at the running back position. Uh, Amari Cooper is he, he's going to be what he's been all season, which is a boom or a bust. He was completely erased last week. Uh, and he gets a tough matchup this week against JC JC Jackson. So, if you gotta start him, you gotta start him. But I mean, I I, I couldn't tell you which way it's gonna go. It could he could put up another twenty point game. He could disappear again for three. I uh, I don't know. <laughs> the talent's there. It, he's proven that he can do it this season. But I I I got zero confidence in it. Um, in deeper leagues. Uh, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is another another guy that we can take a look at. I mean, he's had two games where he's absolutely dominated the targets. Uh, week four, he had a 26% target share yet yet again. So he's one of those guys where if Cooper does get shut down, Brissett's looking at DPJ. So deeper leagues, worth a flex shot. Um, Njoku is going to be a weekly starter uh, at tight end. He's getting the routes. He's getting the targets. He's He's looking good. Uh, and he seems to be their guy at tight end this year. Um, moving on to the next matchup, we got Buffalo and Pittsburgh. And this one is set up to be one of the most lopsided games out there. Uh, Buffalo with the highest implied total of the week at 30. Uh, you would expect a blowout. And you would think that would equate to Devin Singletary just running all day, every day. But even in games where they are blowing 
Uh, the other team out, Buffalo still tends to just keep the ball in Josh Allen's hand. Uh, the only time that it didn't really happen was against Tennessee when both teams pulled their starters. So I'm not expecting it to be that bad of a blowout, but you never know. Um, so Allen and Singletary are the top carry leaders uh, on the team so far. So I do think that Singletary is a good RB2 floor play. I don't expect anything crazy out of him, but I mean, he's he's been putting up consistent numbers week in, week out, and he's also been getting targets. So he's a guy that I feel comfortable starting at this point. Um, if you have Gabe Davis, I mean, you, you almost have to start him with 30, 30 implied points, but at the same time, week four, 8.8% target share is not what you want to see. It's exactly what everyone's been saying all season, all off season, that uh, he just doesn't have the target share to support consistent play, but he scores deep touchdowns like nobody's business when he does do well. So it's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't type plays where, I mean, you start him, he goes off, you feel great. It's just like, would you rather have the points accumulate on your bench and play a safer guy and maybe go for middle of the pack? Or do you just want to go swinging for the fucking fences and throw Gabe in there? Fuck it. He scores 30, scores two. You live either way. Um, if I if I do have one of those safer options uh, and, I, and I'm not looking for that Hail Mary play, I mean, Thursday Night Football didn't provide a lot of fantasy points, so I don't think anyone's really needing to be in that Hail Mary, like, oh God, I need to make up points now thing. So if you do have a solid option uh, behind... Uh, on your bench and you're you're waffling between the two i'd go with the safer option but just know he might blow up uh i am keeping an eye on isaiah mckenzie if he does get the nod if he is able to play uh after suffering a concussion if not mckenzie uh khalil uh shakir is the guy that i'm gonna be watching just pretty much whoever is that number three wide receiver with crowder gone i want to see what that target share is looking like we know it's Diggs. uh and we know that Gabe's target share is inconsistent, so if McKenzie or Shakir can step up and start being a consistent target getter, uh, they could definitely be interesting for fantasy, so just keep an eye out there. Um, he did have, McKenzie did have six uh, targets tying the team lead uh, last week before he left with the concussion, so he was on the right path to be uh, the dude behind Diggs, but... We'll see how it plays out. Uh, Pittsburgh, with this being Kenny Pickett's first game, I'm not really excited to start anyone. Um, I just want to kind of see if if I'm able to wait and see uh, how this offense looks with Pickett as a starter. I'm doing it. Uh, if you have Deontay Johnson, I, mean, I don't blame you for starting him if you have him. Uh you almost have to start him, but I, I, I would much rather just be in a, in, a, in a holding pattern and seeing where Pickett's looking, where the targets are going, how much he is pulling the ball down to run. Um, and, I mean, I, I still expect Deontay Johnson to be the wide receiver one on this team, but I do think that Pickens is already that number two on the team ahead of Chase Claypool. Again, we've seen one half of football with Kenny Pickett. We don't know what the Pickens-Pickett connection is quite yet, so I'm just watching in terms of Pickens. I'm not starting him. I'm not doing anything with anyone other than Deontay. Uh, I don't want to start Najee if I, I mean, if I drafted him, but 
uh, with a first or second round running back, many teams don't have that option, so I get it, but it uh, just you shouldn't have drafted Najee is, is the point in case here. But I'm uh, going to go ahead and move on to some teams that might actually score some points. Uh, we got New Orleans versus Seattle. Over under 45.5 points here. So a, a decent a decent game. It could, it could go over. Uh, both teams have put up points. Both teams have disappeared. So it's one of those games where I'm just not really sure which way we're going to fall this time. But uh, starting on the New Orleans side, we don't have Michael Thomas yet again. But the good news is we got the rookie wide receiver one on the year, Chris Olave. Uh, we're just going to keep riding that hot hand. I mean, uh, player profiler tweeted out today the top five wide receiver receivers in average depth of target. Olave right now is number three with 16 yards per target. Uh, and he is the only player in the entire like top five list that was posted that has over a 20% target share. And it's not just 20%, it's 26.1%. He is becoming an absolute dog. He is hogging all the targets. He's running deep routes. He's catching everything that's coming. He's looking real good out there. And I I, I don't care who's at quarterback for New Orleans. I want Olave in my fantasy lineup. Uh, Kamara is expected to be back. Uh, so I'm not playing any New Orleans running back outside of Kamara. I don't, I don't care if he's not 100%. I don't care if he doesn't get the full complement of snaps. I'm not touching anyone outside of Kamara. Uh, Juwan Johnson is still an interesting tight end streamer just because of, here I go again, the tight end landscape is a wasteland. Um, he did only have a 43% snap share, but he has a 60% route participation and we need routes to score fantasy points and it's, it's worth a shot in a game where... I could see some see see some passing touchdowns happen. Um, an interesting guy to keep a, keep an eye on while Michael Thomas is out. Uh, in week four, Marquez Callaway did see an uptick in routes, and he was the number two uh, receiver in terms of targets behind Olave. Uh, if you need a desperation flex play in a deeper league, I like him uh, just because he he's he got the targets. He had production when he was the only dude in New Orleans last year. Uh, so I, I, while Thomas is out, I don't hate the Marquez Callaway play. Um, it is a little concerning that we've seen Traquan have one week and now Callaway one week, so it might not be consistent. But um, like I said, we saw a little bit of consistency out of Callaway last season in, in flashes, so I, I don't hate the play. Uh, flipping over to Seattle, uh, their implied to point total is 20.5, so it's like, eh, it's on, it's on the lower end. But Geno Smith has shown that he can go ahead and, and prop up DK and um, he can prop up DK and, and and Tyler Lockett, which are the only two guys that I'm really looking to start this week. Uh, if you have running back injuries again and you need uh, a start out of Penny, I don't hate it, but I don't love it because New Orleans has been pretty stout uh, on defense, particularly against uh, running backs. Um, and it's not like the Seattle offensive line is is doing Penny any favors. Um, last week, New Orleans kept Dalvin Cook in check, and uh, Dalvin Cook had a has a uh, run block rating of he was number thirty one running back in terms of run block rating on Player Profiler. Rashad Penny is only number twenty nine in terms of run block rating. So, it, if anything, you're just starting Penny with the hopes that he busts off one long run for a touchdown. Other than that, it's it's going to be a, it's a tough day for Penny. 
just start DK, start uh, Tyler Lockett. If you're desperate, Will Disley at tight end, he's been he's been creeping up there in routes and targets, but you're you're hoping for a touchdown, and it, it's not. It's just not looking to be there with a 20.5 implied uh, team total. Uh, moving on, another game that I think is either going to be a very disappointing uh, fantasy game or will smash this over a 45.5 is the Miami Dolphins versus the New York Jets. Uh, for Miami, Tyreek Hill got added to the injury report pretty late in the week, which is never a, a good thing. Um it does seem like he is going to play, and obviously you're starting him if he does play. Same with Waddle. Waddle's been uh, dealing with a nagging injury uh, through the week; hasn't been able to get a full practice in really. Uh, but he is also someone he starts, or he if he's playing, you start him. Um, if either one of those guys miss, I think this game is kind of going to be a little bit of a disappointment. Um, if both miss, it's definitely going to be a disappointment. But if they do both miss, uh, Hill and Waddle. Uh, I think that uh, Gesicki is a interesting, however, very risky uh, stream option at, at tight end. His route participation has been so far down. He is being used so much more as a blocker and hardly being on the field at all, like less than 50% of the snaps most weeks. So it's not anything where I'm feeling confident about it. But if you're looking for a Hail Mary, if uh, Hill and or Waddle are missing, you can look in uh, worse places. Um Mostert does seem to have taken over as the RB1, uh, and he could be a good start here. I mean, we saw Nick Chubb run up and down on the Jets uh, when they played, so if Mostert is the primary back uh, in Week 5 here, he is going to be a good play. Uh, he dominated the carries 15-5 to against Edmonds. He ran 26 of, uh, of the routes for the running backs compared to Edmonds' 9. And, I mean, he was in there for 72% of the snaps, so... Uh, until he gets injured, Mostert might be the play uh, for Miami here while Teddy's under center. Uh, on the New York side, I am so excited. It is Brees Hall, a breakout week, baby. Uh, the snaps and the opportunities have just been slowly and slowly shifting his way. I honestly, I personally didn't expect it to start happening as soon as week three, but here we are, week five. And uh, over the past two weeks, it's been a 60-40 split in favor of Brees Hall. Uh, he's dominating the routes run. He's got a 15% target share, which is number seven out of all the running backs in the NFL. Uh, it It's time. It is a time. <laughs> uh, Brees Hall is going to have himself a game. Um, the Jets are looking like a better offense than we expected. It's not great. It's not the most efficient, but they're getting the job done, and I think Brees has a lot to do with it. Um Conklin is still, if you picked him up, you're still starting him. Uh, the usage is there. I mean, 71% route participation in week four. That's, that's, a, that's a good mark for them tight ends and a 15% target share. Uh, with the wide receivers in New York, it's a little bit more tricky. Uh, we have only seen one game with Zach Wilson, so it's not really the biggest sample size. Uh, in that one game, Corey Davis was the, the target leader, uh, but... Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson were the top two wide receivers in terms of routes run. So I'm interested to kind of just see where it's going. Uh, right now, I'm not really confident in any of the three until I see more out of who's being uh, who's being targeted, who's continuing to run the routes and what types of routes. 
but if I have to, and I have Garrett Wilson or I have Corey Davis, uh, I'll start them. I think Wilson is a, a decent start, uh, a safer start. And Davis is going to be that boom-bust kind of guy. He's running the deep routes. He's getting the air yards. So uh, there, there's, again, there's worse plays out there. I think I think Davis is it, it can have another good week just based off of uh, deep targets. Uh, moving on to another game where I love the over. It's going to be New England versus Detroit. I mean, any game where Detroit is getting an over-under of less than 48, I'm feeling pretty good about it. They had the one stinker in, uh, against Minnesota uh, where they didn't hit the over, but every other game they have absolutely smashed the over and smashed their implied team total, uh, which they're coming into a very low team total again this week, which I, I, I just don't get. I mean, last week we're throwing to Josh Reynolds, to uh, Quintez Cephas, to Khalif Raymond, and we're still, like, the, the Lions are still putting up almost 50 points, so... I, I just don't get why the, the, the team total is so low, especially since New England isn't even that stout of a defense anymore. Um, Swift is already declared out. Amon Ross St. Brown is still questionable with that ankle injury. Uh, as a Lions fan, I want to see them sit him one more week, uh, get that extra bit of rest, no need to rush it back and re-injure. Um, I think we can win against uh, Zappy. <laughs> um, I, I would hope that we can win against Zappy. Without the two, uh, without Swift and Amon Ra, but we'll see here. Uh, New England has a implied team total of twenty four point two five. I think that both running backs are smash starts. I mean, Detroit is Swiss cheese. Uh, Rashad Penny put up stupid amounts of yards, stupid amount of touchdowns, breakaway run after breakaway run. The Lions just can't seem to stop anything, uh, whether it's through the air or the ground. So I think both uh, Harris and uh, Ramondre. Smash starts, going to put up usable numbers, at least RB2 numbers. Uh, especially with Zapp, Zappy getting the start, I think that New England leans heavily on the run. I mean, we've seen him take the ball out of the quarterback's hand many times before, even with Mac Jones back there. So it uh, would not shock me uh, to see a low-volume pass game. I still do expect some passing just because I think the Lions are going to put up points. Uh, if Jacoby Myers plays, I love him as a PPR option just because he's going to be that guy that gets open, that Zappy is going to be like, I, he's not going to have to worry about throwing it in a tight window with Jacoby. He's, he's going to have he's gonna have windows there close to the line of scrimmage. Um, last week with Zappy, Parker and uh, Devontae Parker and Nelson Aguilar led the team in routes run. They, they'll both need volume to be viable, and I think they're boom bust depending on how this game does play out. If... Uh, Detroit jumps on New England early and New England needs to catch up. I do think that they will have volume to be viable. But if New England gets the early lead and is just trying to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, I think it's a different story. And I think that uh, these two will just kind of be game scripted out. We'll see how it plays out. It really just depends on who starts faster. Um, on the Detroit side, uh, with... Uh, the, the Lions are, are hungry for a win. Um, I don't think that Zappi is going to force the shootout like Gino did uh, last week. But I like I said, I, I think that Campbell being 1-3 right now in some tough loss games where the offense is doing everything they can and the defense just can't do it, I think he's going to want to keep the foot on the pedal. He's going to be taking kneecaps. He's going to be uh, beating some one-ass cheek, three-toed asses. Uh <laughs> And I, I, I just think that it, it's going to be a fun game for Detroit, as always. 
Um, Jamal is a must start while Swift is out. I don't care who they're up against. You start Jamal. He's getting he got 73% of the running back opportunities last week. New England has given up uh, 135.8 uh, rush yards per game. Uh, I got that from uh, Cody Carpentier. He put uh, he put out a tweet where it was just this awesome graphic where it shows the teams with the uh, the best run block ratings in order, who they're playing, and who they're like how many uh, rush yards per game their opponent is giving up. And then he even made it so simple for anyone that just wants to take a quick look at something. And he put a uh, a play push or fade. Uh, column at the very end. It, awesome graphic. I retweeted it. Check it out on my Twitter, Cody's Twitter. Just check it out. It was it was a really good tweet. I really liked it. I like I love those kind of things where it just provides something quick and easy. Um, but yeah, so New England's giving up almost 136 rush yards per game, and I mean Jamal just gobbles up uh, rush yards and rushing touchdowns. So I th- I think it's it's there. Um, I think even if Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds, who are both questionable right now, even if they play, they're not going to be 100%. So we're looking at another uh, TJ Hawkinson smash week. Uh, so go ahead and fire him up comfortably, play him in DFS, whatever you got to do. Uh, New England is giving up these seventh most fantasy points to tight ends. So it's just, we're, we're going to be looking at two amazing fucking weeks from Hawk here. Uh, moving along, we got Minnesota versus Chicago. Uh, which has an over-under of 44, which I find interesting, but the bulk of it is Minnesota with uh, 25.75 uh, po- uh, implied team points. Nothing really fancy here. You're starting the usual suspects. You got Cook, you got JJ, uh, and you can start Thielen. He's, he is the number two. Uh, Osborne and Irv have not really been able to box him out quite yet. Uh, so until they do, you're you're starting the same three from the past couple years. Um, as I've been saying for the past three weeks to myself now, as I have Cook in uh, my home league, uh, he should have a bounce back week. I, I the the pieces are there. I I just I I, I need to see it at this point. I'm I'm dying over here drafting him in the first round uh, of my keeper league. Um, KJ Osborne has seemed to have taken over as the slot guy. Adam Thielen is playing more of the the flanker role uh, this year. Um, even with this role change, Thielen is the number two uh, in terms of targets behind JJ. That still hasn't changed, as I said. Um, but it is interesting to see Osborne in that slot role. If, uh, it, it, if he does start to earn those targets from Cousins, it could be interesting. It could be something where... Osborne becomes a very fantasy viable player. He becomes a, a weekly start type guy. Um, Irv Smith is is one of those tight ends we like to stream just because he's got uh, 60% route participation the past three weeks. Uh, he hasn't quite gotten the targets yet, but he has the athleticism where if the targets come, he can make things happen with it. So worth a shot. Uh, on the Chicago side, they have an implied total of 18.25. And we have just seen week in, week out, they are absolutely incompetent in the passing game. Uh, I'm not starting anyone outside of Khalil Herbert. Um, until I see otherwise, I'm not starting Fields. I'm not starting Mooney, Komet. I, I, I just don't care. Uh, Minnesota is giving up 23 fantasy points per game to running backs. And it's it's Khalil Herbert's show until uh, David Montgomery gets back. Uh, 32% of the team's plays last week were through Khalil Herbert. He had 71% of the running back opportunities, so 
He's dominating this offense, and he's got the juice. He's got the talent to 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 do something with it. Uh, I'm not excited, but it, he's the only one I'm starting on the Chicago side. Uh, moving on to Jacksonville versus Houston. Uh, we got an over-under here of 43.5, and the Jaguars are over that 25-point implied total uh, team total threshold that I love to see. So that's exciting that they're finally getting some recognition from Vegas here. Uh, Houston is one of the softest defenses, so, I mean, it, it might not be Jacksonville being good, but it's um, Houston being bad. Uh, they are giving up 29.9 fantasy points per game to the, to the running back position, which is the worst in the NFL. Uh, any running back that you have against Houston, you're firing him up, which means it is James Robinson season once again. We had the disappointing week last week against Philadelphia's elite defensive line, uh, but I, I expect this to just be feed Robinson all damn game. Uh, Robinson has 63% of the running back carries for Jacksonville, so uh, ETN does have the, the passing uh game work, but this doesn't seem to be a passing situation uh, week four for Jacksonville here. So volume's going to be on his size. He still has the breakaway speed as he's shown. He uh, has four breakaway runs this season, which is number six in the NFL per player profiler. I mean, this is this is a get right week of all get right weeks uh, for James Robinson here. Uh, I do still feel comfortable starting Christian Kirk. Uh, 25, like I said, 25 point team, uh, implied team total. Kirk is the number one on this team. Uh, if I can, if I'm not in too deep of a league and I have other options, I'm waiting and seeing how Zay Jones is off of the injury. Uh, if, if you need to, he is still a decent start before he went, uh, down, missed a week with an injury. He was the clear number two. He was gaining more and more targets and looking good with them. Uh, uh, another interesting tight end stream. I feel like I've, I've said that every damn matchup, but I mean, at, at this point, anyone that runs a damn route uh, for a team is an interesting uh, tight end stream is Evan Ingram. Uh, not only is he running routes, but he's uh, running the routes out of the slot 50% of the time, which is number three at the tight end position. It's not a guarantee. He's not really getting the targets, um, but right now the opportunity is king and he is uh, still a... An athletic option at the tight end position. Um, on the on the Houston side, it, it's it's very similar to Chicago. I am just looking at the young running back, and that is it. Um, you gotta ride the hot hand of Damian Pierce. Jacksonville does have a better defense than everyone anticipated, but Pierce is just he's he's too good not to start right now, uh, and he's getting too much work uh, to to ignore. Uh, he had 80% of the running back opportunities last week. He had uh, all of the all of the carries, all 14 carries. Uh, he had six uh, six targets with six catches compared to Burkhead, who only got five targets. Uh, and he even ran more routes than Burkhead, 19 to 15. So the takeover has happened. It is Pierce's uh, Pierce's job, and he's putting the foot foot to the gas, and he's not slowing down. Uh, so it's exciting, uh, exciting to see the rookie uh, take full advantage and. Uh, even though the offense isn't really doing him any favors, he is making things happen on his own. He has a 38.9% juke rate, which is number nine right now out of all running backs in the NFL. Uh, in terms of the passing game, uh, not even Brandon Cooks is really viable anymore. Uh, his target share has dropped every single week from week one down to week four. 
uh, and he's barely, over the past couple weeks, he's barely been over 20%, uh, and the only reason he's, he was fantasy viable early and uh, last season was because of the fact that he was close to a 30% target share. If he can't even be above 25%, it's just not going to be, it's not going to happen, it's not going to work. Um, Nico's creeping up there, but I, I don't want any piece of this offense outside of Damian Pierce for the time being. Uh, next game on the list, we got the LA Rams versus the Dallas Cowboys. Holy shit, we're going long this one, but distractions aside, <laughs> uh, LA Rams versus Dallas. Uh, over under here of 42 points, which feels a little low, but also the Rams have just really been struggling on offense, especially that offensive line, and Dallas is going to be on Matt Stafford's ass all damn game. And I mean, Stafford is uh, coming into week four or coming into week five uh, was leading the NFL in interceptions, uh, a stat that he has often done, but he it's usually been counterbalanced by a large amount of touchdowns and yards and just w- like wins last season. It's just not coming to fruition this year. Um, Higby and Cup are the only, only two players you're starting on the Rams right now. Uh, for the running backs, it looked like Akers was taking over, but uh, week four, it flipped back over to Henderson, who got 52% of the running back opportunities, uh, compared to Akers at 43%. Uh, Henderson was in there for 44 snaps, Akers only 28, so until one of them can really get a stranglehold on this uh, running back backfield, uh, I'm not looking to start either one of them in fantasy. Uh, Allen Robinson in shallow leagues drop him bye bye it's not worth it to just have him sit there and clog your clog your bench i mean two catches for seven yards in week four is just fucking pitiful uh i would hope that he starts to uh turn it around and the rhetoric behind mcveigh's uh, interviews is that they want to get him more involved but that means absolutely nothing until it's it's proven so it is what it is uh flipping over to dallas uh, 18.25 implied point total, which feels kind of weirdly low, but I mean, I, I get it. Um, the strength of this LA defense is uh, against the run, uh, and Pollard was a weird late addition to the injury report with an illness. So something to monitor. It could be a Zeke volume game, but how much is that really worth against the number one rush defense um, in terms of fantasy points given up? It not much in my opinion. It's not great. Uh, I'm personally benching him in the two leagues that I have him in. Um, but if you just need a volume play for some form of safety, which I, I just, I, I don't see it there. The floor isn't great. The ceiling isn't great. Um, you, you can, you can ride with Zeke, but there's, there's better options. Um, Cooper Rush is still in and he has just been absolutely feeding CD Lamb. Uh, it's a it's a tough matchup with Jalen Ramsey, but I mean, he's had a 35% target share over the past three weeks with Cooper Rush, so it, it's the CD Lamb show uh, until further notice. Uh, in terms of the wide receiver two, Michael Gallup was back. He did run two more routes than Noah Brown, uh, but Brown did out-target him with a 23% target share, so that connection uh, rushed to Brown is still pretty heavy, but I do want to keep an eye on those routes and those targets as Gallup gets more and more time to get more comfortable on his uh, surgically repaired knee. So 
We'll see. I'm not starting anyone confidently except for CeeDee Lamb on the on the Dallas side. If you have Dalton Schultz, he's back. Uh, he had an 80% route participation, so if you have him on your team, uh, he's your tight end one on your team, I'm assuming, so you have to start him. Uh, but I don't feel great about it. Uh, Tennessee versus Washington. We're getting into the gross, ugly games, so thank you for sticking around if you did. Uh, Tennessee versus uh, Washington. We got an over-under of 43 Tennessee implied 22.5 points. Uh, Washington is giving up over 40 fantasy points per game to the wide receivers. So with Burks out, Robert Woods is the number one wide receiver, and there isn't really anyone else there to take targets. Uh, there were 10 targets to the running backs in week four, which seems very anomalous. I don't expect that to be the norm moving forward. So I do think that Woods is going to be uh, involved early and often in this game, and he has the opportunity to take advantage of a soft uh, secondary here uh, with Washington. Uh, it, it In deep leagues, keep an eye out on who the wide receiver two is while Burks is out. Uh, Westbrook Akine has shown uh, flashes last season when he was the only guy left, so I don't really care for the wide receiver two in Tennessee with how bad their offense is. But like I said, for those deeper leagues, it could be something to keep an eye on as to who emerges as that number two. Uh, maybe Austin Hooper finally gets on track here uh, as well from the tight end position. Don't think so, but we'll see. Uh, Washington, they got a 20.5 implied team total. Gross. Uh, the O-line has not protected Wentz for anything, but the good news is, is that uh, they've been playing very stout defensive lines uh, that like to rush the quarterback. Uh, and now Tennessee is just middle of the pack in those terms, in terms of QB hurries and pressures. Uh, so there is a, a softer secondary here that Wentz might be able to take advantage of if he can get time. Uh, Jahan Dotson is out, so I think we're finally here. It's the Scary Terry breakout game. We've been waiting on it all season. It, he's been getting shut down. Wentz has been, been getting destroyed, but uh, McLaurin right now is number four in unrealized air yards. He was on that list of uh, wide receivers with the highest uh, average depth of target. Uh, and right now, Tennessee is giving up the third most air yards in the entire NFL. So it seems like the get-right game for uh, for Terry McLaurin. If he does smash, sell, 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 sell. <laughs> uh, but I'm starting both uh, Scary Terry and uh, Curtis Samuel this week uh, just because Tennessee has that weak secondary that is very exploitable. Uh, I'm avoiding Antonio Gibson. He's been below 50% uh, running back opportunity share over the past two weeks. Brian Robinson is a maybe. I don't expect, even if Robinson does start, him to get a lot of, of work. But, I mean, it's it's there. Gibson, for whatever reason, is getting used less and less. Even Jonathan Williams was starting to get in there uh, in week four. So it's not looking great for Gibson's outlook in terms of usage. But uh, we just got to wait and see. But you probably got better options. You're probably starting them. Uh, moving right along, we got the, the London game uh, with a over-under of 41. It is Green Bay versus the New York Giants. Uh, 25 of those 41 points are looking to go to Green Bay, according to Vegas, with uh, their implied team totals. Um, I could see this one being another low-scoring under here. Uh, New York has had a lot of low-scoring games. They've hit the under three weeks out of the season so far, so it's not really uh, an exciting matchup here. Um, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones have practically cannibalized each other, uh, making both of them 
not so fun starts in fantasy. Um, week one, Dylan had the touchdowns to uh, to have a blow up week, and in week th- uh, two, or yeah, week two, I forget. Whenever Green Bay played Chicago, Aaron Jones had the blow up game where he was just all over the field. But other than that, they have both been very middle of the pack, very gross to play, very gross gross to watch. I'm I'm not excited to start either of them for the time being, but it is exci- it is promising that uh, the Giants have uh, using Cody's uh, handy dandy uh, graphic again. The Giants are giving up 141 rush yards per game, so it, this is a potential smash spot for uh, whoever gets the bulk of the carries. Right now, Dylan is leading the backfield with 57 carries to Aaron Jones' 48, so I'm not confident because it is a pretty close, pretty damn close 50-50 split in terms of snaps, in terms of opportunity. So whoever does be uh, the primary back this week, they're looking good. Um, at the wide receiver position, uh, it's kind of a toss-up right now between Lazard and Dobbs. Uh, Dobbs, over the past two weeks, he does seem to be uh, heating up a little bit. He has the most targets over the past two weeks out of the Green Bay wide receivers. Uh, And with a 25-point implied total, I don't hate taking the shot on a guy who's getting the most targets in that that, uh, receiving room. Uh, Dobbs also looks like he's the red zone guy. He has five red zone targets, which is number 14 in the NFL. Uh, Four of those have been converted for catches, and he has two touchdowns on the year. So uh, this could be the turning point. This could be where Dobbs takes over as the number one wide receiver in Green Bay. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on it and uh, not really looking to start them, but if you gotta, you gotta. Uh, On the New York Giants side, uh, they have a 16-point implied team total, which is just fucking gross. Uh, Daniel Jones has confirmed that he is playing, but he also has a bum ankle, uh, so that's going to limit his mobility. The Packers are blitzing at the third highest rate in the NFL right now, and with him being limited uh, rushing, running-wise... It's not looking great for Danny Dimes. Uh, he also has no Galladay, no Kadarius Tony, and still no Wandale Robinson. So it's looking like another week of Darius Slayton and uh, Sills. Well, uh, I want absolutely nothing to do with New York outside of Saquon Barkley. Um, last matchup of the week that I'm looking at is the San Francisco 49ers versus Carolina. We have an over-under of 39.5, but this is another gross game with a terribly low team, uh, implied total, but I still like the under here. Uh, San Francisco is the number one ranked defense in the NFL. All four of their games have hit the under. Uh, Carolina's uh, hit, only hit the over once in all of their games, so it, it's it's just been a, a, a slog of a season for both of these teams, and I, I, I don't expect this to be any de- uh, any different. Um, Carolina, they're so dysfunctional on offense that even if San Francisco puts up over 20 points, I don't expect Carolina to uh, respond in any way. Um, On the San Francisco side, you're starting Jeff Wilson just based on volume. He's been serviceable off the the free agent uh, pool. And uh, Debo and uh, Brandon Ayuk are the only two wide receivers running a consistent amount of routes. Uh, Debo, no-brainer, you're starting him. Potential to score on every single touch that he uh, that he gets, and he's getting rushing work. He's had uh, eight rushes over the past two games. Uh, for Brandon Ayuk, he has uh, he's had the targets. He's had a 21% target share over the past two weeks with Jimmy G. Uh, I, I think 
you you don't have to start him this week if you have better options. But he is someone that I'm looking to hold right now. I, I do think the points will come soon. He hasn't really been able to convert on a lot of the the targets that he's getting. Uh, but I think as as he gets more comfortable with Jimmy G and as the offense kind of gets settled with uh, Garoppolo here in the in the coming weeks, I think it's gonna we're gonna see improvement. Uh, if you're if you're working trades and you're looking for a secondary piece to get back, I I would definitely be targeting Ayuk here. Uh, on the Carolina side, it's Christian McCaffrey and that's it. I don't the number one you you have to start McCaffrey because he's fucking Christian McCaffrey. He can take. Any touch to the house as well. He's, I mean, he, he hasn't been great this year. He hasn't, he hasn't been the Christian McCaffrey of old. But I, I think that a lot of that has to do with the offense in general. I, I don't want to start DJ Moore. I, I, I'm starting plenty of guys uh, over him. I'm starting literally everyone over him. And there's not another option. It is CMC and DJ Moore most weeks. And this week is not DJ Moore. Um, just avoid Carolina like the plague until something something turns around because it's just fucking gross here uh but that's all i have that is all of the matchups for the week uh i'm looking to get back more into uh posting my content on twitter like i said work's been a little bit crazy hurricane everything so it's been it's been a little bit of a mess but i'm back i'm looking to get back on the horse and we're riding into week five we're feeling good with some good with some high scoring games and we're gonna just go ahead and ignore those games i talked about at the bottom uh but Good luck in your fantasy matchups. I'll catch you on the flip side for the week five recap. Hopefully coming Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Peace, y'all.